Pitch Deck Asia. Your story, your words. Hey, we're live. This is Pitch Deck Asia. My name is Graham Brown. We are in Singapore, joined by Balaz and Chaba from Aliz. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks for coming to the show. Thanks for having us yeah, again. Thank you for having us. Yeah, and it's good to see you back. A bit of a yeah. progress in the journey of Alice. So definitely talk about that as well. Is that yeah. why you're here as well? So, I guess you're one of the reasons why we're here today. I mean, we want more people like you in the growing Alice team. You gentlemen are both from Hungary. Yes. yes. Let's just prove your credentials. Let's send out a hello or something in Hungarian to the people who may be in Budapest watching. Yeah, Sziasztok. All right. It's high. Okay. Yeah, I believe you. I'm sold on that. So you guys are in Singapore, Hungary, Germany? And Munich, yes. Munich and These Germany. are the three offices that we have right now. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So we're going to talk about your growth and where you've come from yep. as well, because it's been an exciting journey. Absolutely. How long have you been doing this now? Uh, that's, a, that's a difficult question to answer. So... Um, in the current form, we are doing this now for about two and a half years. Yeah. But um, the legacy of, of our team and especially from the from the technology perspective, uh, we've been doing this for over ten years now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, you got ten years of experience in this space, but the yeah, actual company itself, the, yeah, in its current form, is is about two and a half years. Yeah. yeah. And you founded the company. Yeah, I'm one of the founders. Yeah. Right. And so you consider yourself an entrepreneur because I know you've worked for some of the best tech companies out there. How do you find that entrepreneurial journey? Is that your sort of first venture into building a, a company? Yeah, I guess uh, I don't count my uh, entrepreneur uh, adventures into the um, into the booze uh, trading when I was in Sweden back in the days. So yeah. I would say this is really my first attempt. Um, but um, but yeah, I always I always considered myself as an entrepreneur, and uh, this was pretty much my. My aim to become an entrepreneur uh, yeah. all the way, even when I was in the corporate um, world, and um, yeah, I mean it's um, it's quite different. Yeah, it's a homecoming. For yeah, you. the booze trading. <clears throat> yeah, come that's, on, uh, tell you got to tell us about this. I want to know a little bit about the story. All right. So long story short, without hope, uh, no, none of the Swedish officials are watching <laughs> this. Um, so long story. Long story short, uh, in Sweden there is only one. Um, basically one chain that can sell you booze in, yeah. the, in the country and um, it's pretty expensive it's even more expensive than Singapore and uh, you know for uh, poor uh, students like what I was back in the days it was uh, pretty unaffordable uh, not even mentioning that on Sundays you can only buy booze till 2pm 2, 2, uh, 2 so mm -hmm. it was pretty limited uh, mm -hmm. even the time when you can buy and uh, back in the days we figured out that the, uh, there is a European Union law that you can bring into one state to the another state uh, 10 liters of alcohol. So um, I was flying back to Budapest, coming back with 10 liters of Jim Beam or Danska vodka or whatever. Um, and then we figured out that maybe my friends can come. And uh, a ticket was about 30, 40 euros. Yeah. Um, and we made about 15, 20 bucks, 20 euros on a, on a bottle. So it was a pretty lucrative business that we've been doing for a while um, while I was there as, uh, as a student. And uh, yeah, we never really got the uh, company or any legal entities uh, for that. But um, it taught you a lot. I would I would consider that was a that was an attempt to become an entrepreneur from the beginning. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Hustle is there. Yeah, as a hustle. It's, it's like there, that yeah. movie Catch Me If You Can, where they're strapping all that money to their bodies when it, they're walking through the airport. It was exactly like that, but the difference is that it was pretty loud when my friends were coming in and clink, the, clink. yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you saw them coming through the uh, airport corridor and like, ding 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 ding. Yeah, ding. Like, here they come. Yeah, and also like I think the officers know them already. Uh, by you know by the face that they were flying in every week basically so yeah i like these stories i mean there we're going to go into your pitch deck and have a look at what you do now it's a different world entirely but there is an essence there of the hustle the entrepreneurship and if you look at all those sort of successful entrepreneurs today like a richard branson for example they started with that sort of raw hustle whether it was yeah. in his case sort of exporting records you know vinyl records and bringing them back into the country you've got to have that sort of need to go out and you know 
make money out of whatever you have given to you, not necessarily a technology, but it's raw. Were you, were you like that as a kid? Were you like, did you feel in any ways a bit of a hustler or? Yeah, I guess, I mean, even in the corporate world, I've kind of felt like being a hustle. So um, I guess that's why everybody, when I, when I said like, okay, I'm going to leave the corporate world. I mean, I was working at Uber back then and uh, I left Google for, yeah. for Uber and et cetera. So like people were, um, apart from my mom who was telling me like, what the hell are you doing? Um, yeah. But everybody was telling me like, oh, this is so good. I'm so happy for you. Yeah. Uh, and it was kind of annoying, to be honest. I was like thinking, okay, so if everybody is saying that it's so good, it must yeah. be uh, there is a catch. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> Apart from your mom. Yeah, apart from my mom, who is uh, usually saying the opposite of everybody. So I kind of right. like try to, you know. Yeah think about okay so maybe she's right uh but she she comes from a different era of course where yeah. it's all about job security and career and so on in right? a way and i think she's always trying to be the uh the opposition yeah because she kind of knew that like you know this is the uh, this is the trend yeah. and uh um i mean the chance that you're gonna make it is much much lower than you're not yeah so that's why i always tell so if if a friend of mine telling me that living he or, he or she is living the corporate world. First thing I say, are you sure? Yeah. So are you sure uh, you want to do this? Do you know that, uh, you know, this is uh, not all that glory and not all that, uh, you know, beauty that you see in the papers and, and in the podcasts and, yeah. uh, and, and, and all out there. And I guess like the most important thing that you need is really that sort of, you know, hustling uh, DNA yeah, survival, isn't survival, it? Right? Yeah. yeah, like you, you need to have that. And I think that's also from the fact that we are from Hungary. I think that's uh, that's an important thing. It's mm. like, you know, it's, it's a small country. There is not much opportunity for us to be on the world stage apart from like trying to make it outside, right? So yeah. it's, uh, it's a great place. It's a great um, community. Yeah, good people around, like as you can see, like our, our team. But, um, but I think it's... Um, if you want to achieve more, there's really only, uh, you know, you either you either try to get out there and then make it yourself, or or there's not a, no any other option. Yeah, you can't rely on other people to make yeah. it for you, right? So uh, we're going to talk about Aliz, and we're going to dive in and have a look at the company. But a part of that story we can't miss out. Chaba, you came from Hungary to Singapore, and this yeah, man exactly. here poached you. He brought you across. Did you meet in? Did you know each other in Hungary before? Yeah, yeah sure. So I joined the Alice team in this previous form eight years ago. Yeah. So when the company was much more solar and we were doing uh, much more different things. Yeah. And um, yeah, when we started to do kind of look here in Singapore and Southeast Asia to do business, I was happy to join Balash and uh, make it work. Was that an easy pitch to you? Hey, come to Singapore and help build the team. What? was yeah. sort of going through your mind at that time? Uh, honestly, I, I, during the university, I had a regret that I didn't really go abroad. Yeah. And uh, I see the opportunity that now is the time that I can come here and uh, kind of um, do the abroad experience. And mm. uh, first I was here for a few weeks, that's just uh, doing some sales for customers. But um, I like the place. So when I came to Singapore, I don't know, I like the city, like the weather, the mm. food. Uh, it's, I think it's, it's very, very good. Phenomenal. Yeah. yeah so I think uh, Singapore win me. And uh, I moved here last July. And it was uh, easy for you then. What about the people around you? I mean, imagine some people didn't get it. Like, why go to Singapore? Like, they didn't even maybe understand where Singapore was. I know some people think it's in China. So, yeah, so I think it's not to, uncommon, right? Yeah. yeah, to convince these people. So we actually um, move a lot of people to Singapore just for a while. Yeah. So like months or two weeks. And uh, then these people can actually see that uh, what is Singapore. And I think their opinion changes. Yeah. So when they see their own with their own eyes that uh, how it works, how it's to live here, uh, I think um, they understand that why, why I'm here. Great. Well, let's talk about why you're here. Let's talk about Aliz. Let's flash up the pitch deck if we can, Barrett, and take a look at that. Um, visually, let's talk about what you're about, Aliz. So there's the, the logo. I'm just going to flash through very quickly through the pitch deck just to give people an overview. So if people are watching on video, they can see this, but we can also describe it, I mean, audio, because some people may just be listening. So I'm interested to know what is the problem 
Because often yeah. in this tech space, it's a solution looking for a problem. You started with a very clear idea of what the problem is first. And I guess a lot of this comes from your background as well, working with Google and Uber and so on and seeing it you know, firsthand. You're telling us the pipes were either broken or non-existent. The pipes to what? What is the problem? So basically, um, unfortunately, this is a PDF, so you can't really see this. Is a, there, is a, there is a GIF here that shows this original idea of what we had in mind to, to create an assistant product. Mm. Um, my problem was that I hate, I think I, I told this last time, that I hate to do things that I don't like. Right? Yeah. Like, it sounds very stupid, but um, I hate to book air tickets. I hate to pay my bills, not just because I have to actually put money in it, but just like the fact that it, the process, know, the process yeah. and all that. So I was always wanted to have like a kind of like an assistant or someone who's taking care of all this kind of stuff. Mm. Um, and uh, I was working on this on, uh, on, on these products when I was at Google. So I was working on search and eventually it evolved into the Google assistant that you have in your home right now and all mm. those. And, um, and my thinking was that actually for an assistant to, to really work, it should be uh, doing things instead of you and not just like telling you stuff, like telling you what the weather is, yeah. playing your music, yeah. etc. Um, and uh, I think um, the first um, wake up call from reality came when we had the first client came in and uh, we saw that basically uh, their infrastructure for data is basically so backwards and it was a large company so it was not something that you know like some corner shop or something it was a large company um it was a company that were serving millions of users every day and uh their data infrastructure was pretty broken so mm. when i say the pipes were broken um it was it it meant that basically the pipes to being able to um, serve an assistant because basically any machine learning or artificial intelligence or any of the stuff that you would need to be able to do this kind of automation that we've been dreaming of mm. or that we had as, as a vision, uh, you need a proper data uh, infrastructure. And the data infrastructures, the pipes, as I like to call it, um, were pretty broken. Mm. Or non-existent. Non-existent. Or, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. or so. in silos, everything's in pools, aren't they, rather than shared data as well which is a problem well, what is that vision then because like you say i like the idea of having an assistant that can just do stuff for me rather than just tell me what the weather is i mean that's sort of gimmicky i feel I mean, it's great like, yeah. at the end of the day i need somebody to pay my utility bill yeah. or to book a flight like you say that sounds quite a way away from where we are now with assistants i don't know yeah. the situation where are we with that how close because i can go on to Upwork and hire somebody in the Philippines <laughs> for maybe 10 bucks an hour who can do that yeah. for me. So put all this together, what, what, give us the meta view of assistants, you know, virtual assistants, chatbot assistants. Yeah, I guess the question is really, and then maybe Chubby can give you an update or an overview from the technology perspective, but I think from just in general, the problem is that really none of the assistants are integrated into our everyday life. Mm. And my thinking and it, like the way I see this is that our life just became so utterly complex, basically. Like we have to deal with so many different things. So like I, I used to bring this example that basically we don't talk about work-life balance anymore. Like when I started my career, everything was work-life balance. Now we are talking about work-life blending. Mm. So we are basically have our life and then we blend work into that. Uh, we we uh, reply to emails on the treadmill. We uh, basically wake up and check our emails and reply, etc. So like it's everything is just so much more complex. And this is why I believe that the companies that are going to be successful in the future are the ones that can make this life m more simple or like can automate some of the stuff that are, uh, that are just bringing in more complexity. Mm. And um, those companies are already out there. Yeah, well, you get your banks, you got your tackles, the, the utilities, basically. I think like an airline company is a utility already. Basically, you need to get from A to B. It's like a, it's like a, the municipal bus company mm -hmm. was in the past. So um, I think those are the companies that need to step up to their game. And, uh, and, and I think in terms of the assistant products, um, they need to be integrated to their services. So there's a, there's a two-way that has to be basically on the same page 
like from from the like from the consumer facing like the assistant that doesn't just tell you the weather and uh and and also those companies have to have the willingness to be able to integrate to them so mm. i think till we we are not integrated um we are we will be pretty far from the vision but um uh, i think from the technology perspective it is all possible already so and the pieces are out there so if you're talking about an assistant my vision is um if you're familiar with ironman is jarvis yeah so jarvis can do for you basically anything and um yeah the pieces are out there so basically you can do uh you can convert speech to text then you can do natural language processing to and understand the text somehow mm. but uh i think the missing part sometimes is actually get the data because your data is scattered around different products so mm. you use different apps for uh, ride sharing you use different apps for calendar and in order to have an assistant all this data needs to be collected in one place and needs to be accessible by the assistant do you need like apis for that or can the assistant yeah. access it like a human being would and just process that data accordingly so if you have an api it's much more easier yeah if you need to go and uh, kind of scrape the data it's uh yeah it's a very messy business yeah okay. but uh usually especially the new products already do have an api so you can integrate with them you can get the data out but uh they are also very uh different from each other so you need to integrate with it and you need to add some kind of intelligence to the assistant to mm. to make it flexible because if you have a product and uh, they are right now they are slightly changed the API then the integration is broken yeah so what is your vision because you mentioned the word vision and say 5 years from now what will the world be like assuming you're successful what kind of an impact because we we've sat through a lot of these industry presentations haven't we and people have painted pictures of what it's going to be like you know the classic example is the fridge orders your shopping for you those ones i haven't seen that yet i mean we've had those amazon buttons right which yeah. haven't really worked have they we can order <laughs> cat litter for example yeah. what where do you think it's really going to impact because i often feel when people talk about visions for these kind of technologies often it's the much more mundane day-to-day -day stuff that it impacts rather than the really exciting things. Yes, yeah, so right now you have solutions for very specific problems. So you can fridge can order some food. Yeah. But uh what I'm my vision is that you have kind of a general assistant so which can help you in uh, a lot of areas in your life, life so it can order food, it can pay your bills, mm. it can book your calendar and everything. But honestly I think this is um, not like a 5 year plan. I I will be glad if I gonna see this in my lifetime. Mm. Really? Is it that far because it's more general artificial intelligence? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And that that's a, a a bigger goal, isn't it? We've seen for example like those apps like EV, you know the personal assistant apps, the yeah. ones that sort of fix meetings. A lot of people started using them, mm. they sort of dropped off using them yeah. because they had to manage the assistant. Or like you mentioned for example like with the APIs, I think it works until it doesn't work and yeah. then it becomes work. You're having to fix 20% of the the scenarios where it doesn't work and then it becomes more work, right? What why do those sort of fade away a little bit and where do you think you're going to do something different? I think that uh the problem is that um yeah there are for for specific problems so if you want to do something which is not kind of supported it's not implemented yet yeah. then you cannot use it and uh I think life is the real life is always uh much more messier than how the kind of the people design these products so life always gets surprises and uh mm. features which are not yet implemented and that's why I think it's not like a 5 year goal because you need to build a more um yeah general ai to solve these issues for you because if you need to do code something it's going to take time it's need to be developed and um but uh, a general ai can solve these issues issues later but uh, we are not still there yet yeah it's time balaz what do you think would be in your mind a good <coughs> marker a good waypoint for progress where you could say this can fix this problem in our lives it may not be you know a, a really exciting problem but a very basic problem that we have and you said yeah i think that where we're going with our progress this is really where we're reaching to now if we can do this like fridge ordering shopping for example i don't know yeah. if that's one of your 
goals. But whatever it is, give, it, give us a tangible, <laughs> tangible example of where you think this is going to work first. I mean, a, a very tangible example would be if I can just tell my Google Home or whatever uh, the platform is that uh, just booked me the cheapest ticket to KL for yeah. tomorrow. And that's it. Why, why is that? Why is that a challenge? Why can't I just go to kayak or sky scanner? Uh, you can go, but I don't want to. That's right. the point. I'm cooking dinner. I just remember. Oh, I need to fly tomorrow to KL. Yeah. And I just, you know, I just say, hey Google, uh, book my flight to KL, and that's it. I don't need to go to kayak. I don't need to look f through which one is the cheapest, which one is the the one that I like, uh, which one is the, uh, you know less uh, hustle to if I need to uh, go through a connection mm -hmm. and all those things um, this is something that is already known do I have to learn if I'm the assistant do I have to learn about you your preferences like you say hustle like for example you may o be okay with taking indirect flights yeah I guess you may not so I, I guess that's, yeah, that's the point, right? Like, uh, because when you go to kayak or skyscanner, you're looking through a list of different flights, right? And yeah. then you choose the one that you prefer. Like, you don't like to fly X, Y, or you, like you don't like to, you know, uh, lay over like more than two or, mm. or one. These are all things that are your preferences. You rather pay a little more for a better airline. Um, so these are things that the assistant can learn. And yeah. I think that's the goal of an assistant, right? Like they, it knows you, that's why it's personal. Mm. Um, and um, I think even if it just saves me in average, like 10, 15, 20 minutes uh, a day, I think that's a lot already. Yeah. Because again, like I, I really believe that our life is just getting more and more complex. And uh, basically, Technology is supposed to solve a lot of the problems, but it also creates a lot more problems, or I wouldn't call it problems, but more complexity in our mm. lives. And uh, and it's just that's the way it is, right? Like cars supposed to make traffic faster uh, and like easier to get from A to B, but it also created a lot more other things that you needed to be aware, right? Mm. Like and it created more complexity uh, for an individual, for a whole society. And uh, whatever happens, even if it's gonna be self-driving cars, there will be other things that are gonna be added to our lives. And uh, this is why I believe that these are the things that we need to catch up. And again, like the airline or like the ticket is just one example, but I think like ordering food from, from your fridge is another great one, I think. That, that's been a promise for 15 years. Yeah, where is it? Yeah, We're where hungry. is it? Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, yeah. You know, I find, Balaj, that the, the challenge for us as individuals, as users of these technologies, and just generally, like you say, it's getting more complex in day-to-day -day life. I think it's less about the time and more about making decisions. Yeah. Because I feel, when we talked about what you had for breakfast yeah. off air, and anybody that comes to the studio gets asked for the mic test, right? And I mentioned Barack Obama as an example. And apparently he had, whilst in the office, he had two boiled eggs every day. And they asked him why. And he said, well, you know, I make 7,000 decisions a day, one yeah. of which is pressing the button or not. <laughs> you know, yeah. so you don't want me wasting a decision on what I'm going to have for breakfast. Yep. And I feel in this day-to-day -day life is we're making so many decisions that if somebody can just take some of those decisions away, it's not the time yep. per se, but if you can say all right, book a flight for me. Yeah. And if that thing then comes back, the assistant comes back and says, you know, I've got all these options. I'm like, just decide, just yeah. deal with it. Because you know me. Yeah. And you know what I like and what I don't like, just deal with it. If you can do that, for me, I'm like, great. That's what I need in my life. Something to make decisions for me yeah. that aren't really important to my day-to-day -day life. But, you know, they're sort of taking away energy from the big decisions, like, you know, my work and so on. Right? Yeah. So I think it's that decision fatigue it's real, right? Yeah. The study's done on it. You start up here in the morning and then every decision you make sort of takes one away from your stack yeah. until uh, by lunchtime you're left with nothing. Then you're just sort of on autopilot, right? Yeah. So I'm interested to see how you guys are going to address that because that's really sort of, you know, mental wellness, I think, for yeah. people. I think we're overwhelmed with decisions yeah. on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, I think uh, that's, a, that's a great point. Uh, this is the other thing, and I think it's like plays on the complexity that the reason why we need to make so many decisions <coughs> is because we are living such a complex life, right? Uh, from starting with, we have so many options for breakfast. Like, yeah, yeah. What, what are you going to wear? Yeah, what am I going to wear? Yeah, I changed shirts 
three times this I, morning. I, I have five of these. Yeah. I'll confess. <laughs> that's five easy. Five of yeah. It's the same every day, right? Like it that's a Mark Zuckerberg uh, style that you get. It works know, for him. Yeah, yeah it, it works, works for him. Yeah, exactly. There's a takeaway from this podcast already. All yeah. right, a quick fire round. I want to get into the world of Aliz and learn a little bit about you guys as a team before we sort of jump back out and look at some more of the, the pitch deck. Um, I'm going to ask you some tough questions. Yep. To open up the world of Aliz and you too as well. Yeah. As you know, you can also talk on behalf of your team as well. I'm sure they'll approve. They would love that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Talk <laughs> for them in, in very edited version. Um, let's start then. Who wants to go first? Who wants to step up? I think it has to be you, Balaj. I've yeah, volunteered you. All right. Yeah. All okay, right. so Aliz, explain your business to a five-year-old. And by the way, five-year-olds do not understand data yeah. science, AI, machine learning, unless they're super genius. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess, uh, so I w I'll start with something and then maybe we can even more <coughs> simplify it because I would say that uh, we're we are helping uh, businesses to automate their operations. I guess the five-year-old wouldn't really understand what operations mean. Yeah, so yeah. simplify a little bit. So even uh, we can... Why operations? What is operations, yeah. yeah. I guess like we can say that, uh, you know, those toy highways... Uh, the five-year-old would play so yeah. we help them uh, we help uh, businesses or we help you to uh, automate uh, the um, the um, the build-up process of that right okay yeah. we're so you can only so you can play with it right away okay i think they get that what, what do you think Tava? do you want to improve on that yes yeah, so basically i think i would say that uh, we help um have the decision makers make decisions. So I get back to your previous question. Yeah. So if uh, you provide data. Well, a five-year-old won't get that. Uh, the data? Yeah. Basically, we provide the building blocks. How uh, I get for bricks. The bricks for yeah. the decision makers, which yeah. them help them to build uh, their business. Okay. All right, I get that. Building stuff with bricks. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. I think we'll let you off. That's a pass. All right. Mm -hmm. You simplified that enough. I want to know about your team as well. In How many people in your team? Here in Singapore, firstly. Here in Singapore, we are 10 people at the moment. Yep. Yeah. And in Europe? In Europe, we are about 50 plus. 50 plus. Yeah. So 10 here in Singapore, you work together in the same office? Yeah. I mean, like we got our own office, but a lot of uh, time, actually, people are out with customers. Yeah. So we spend a lot of time with the customers. And that's that's one of the most important part of our business that we are pretty hands-on with the customer and not just like, you know, some far away office doing something that they don't even see. So yeah, which is common in tech, right? Yeah, it is very common. And I think that's one of the key differentiator that we are very, very close to our customers and not just the technology piece or not just the tech decision makers, but mm. actually the business as well. Okay. Do you know each other really well? Are you mean with the colleagues? Yeah. Um, How well do you think you know each other? It depends. Yeah. Uh, we got one one person who just started on Monday. I guess like I wouldn't call that call him someone who I know very well yet. Yeah. But hopefully we're gonna g get to know each other very well. Great. Uh, and also the geographical distances. So if we have a new hire in Budapest, yeah. of course we we don't really know her or him so well. But uh, for example, next uh, in the next two weeks there's gonna be an offsite in Hungary where mm -hmm. the whole company gonna be there for a week. And uh, this is kind of a good opportunity to get to know each so other. So everybody better. from Singapore and Hungary yeah, together? Yeah, exactly. That's going to be interesting, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah looking for it. First time. So yeah. yeah it's, uh, first time we became global, I yeah. would say. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah, it is, definitely. And a lot of our people who are like here in Singapore, they've never been to Hungary. or Right, you yeah. have Singaporeans in your yeah, team exactly. as well? Yeah, so exactly. Not just Hungarians. Not just oh. Hungarians. <laughs> no, like uh, we are... Even in Hungary, we got uh, French and like other nationalities as well. So, or like, you know, other Europeans. Yeah. Okay. We're looking to grow that piece as well. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about that in a minute. I want to understand a little bit about the team here. You don't drink coffee. Yeah. Who drinks the most coffee in the office? Basically every developer, but I think um, Zoltan. Yeah. Zoltan. Zoltan Hazy here in Singapore. But yeah. I think the thing is that uh, when he moved to Singapore, he started to drink less coffee. So in right. Budapest, it was like a huge amount. But now he's in Singapore, I think it's less. Yeah. Yeah. I used to actually, we used to run a project together in Dubai a few years ago. And we uh, we spent a lot of time with, with him, or I spent a lot of time with him. And he drank about six to seven cups of coffee 
And I asked him, like, why do you need all this energy? And he said, no, I just like the taste. Okay. Like, yeah, okay, that, that's fair enough. Okay. That works. Yeah, exactly. Who, who do you think is um, the funniest in your team, Balash? You can't say yourself, by the way. No, I don't think I am the funniest by far. I would say it's uh, Miklos. Yeah, Miklos. Why, yeah, why is he uh, funny? Uh, what sort of character is he? I guess he's Hungarian. He's a char- yeah, he's, he's Hungarian. He's, he's, he's a character, I would say. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. He's just, uh, he's just those, you know, pretty cynical person okay. that you would imagine how an actual... Um, an actual de- developer would be like everything is of course broken okay. that's the default stage yeah uh, nothing can be really fixed but you can get close to being fixed so i i really like his uh cynicism i would say it's uh, a positive cynicism uh, yeah it's healthy 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 cynicism yeah. you know like when you he just smokes and it's not gonna work. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you know want, that it's already that pretty good, team. actually. Sorry. Yeah, you want that guy on your team, right? Absolutely. Because you yeah. don't want everybody saying, "Yeah, this is great. This is all going oh, to yeah, work." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if you ask a sales guy, and he would say, oh, "Everything is so <laughs> beautiful," like, uh, but yeah, exactly. And he would say, "This guy is not gonna work." It's good. Gonna work. I like that. I like a different <laughs> viewpoint. So, uh, you obviously know Balaj reasonably well. Describe to us a habit that will help describe Balaj. What does he do? What's sort of quirky or interesting or strange about Balaj that we haven't experienced here on the podcast? Yeah, I think so. He sees the world sometimes in uh, so. But told about Miklos, he's uh, he's exactly the opposite. So uh-huh. he sees kind of the bright side, and uh, he's very optimistic about things. And I think good to have uh, someone in the team who can kind of keep the balance. Yeah. Do you think he's too over optimistic? Not really. I think he has uh, like a vision. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he imagined this vision and the past together. Mm. And uh, yeah, he's maybe a little bit ahead on this path, but uh, I think it's good. Do you do you find? I mean, you are a visionary. Obviously, you've been elected as the visionary. It's good to thank you. Do you, <laughs> do, you, do you find when you're out there talking about automation and assistance and so on? Sometimes you're talking to a lot of people who don't get it. Do you think the market is open to this? I think they're more than open, and that's also a problem. Right, in, in a way. way. Um, you know, we live in a world where I would say, like, everybody is more, uh, think think more about stuff that is an actual reality. So um, I think it is not hard to sell the vision. Mm. The vision is the easiest thing to sell. The execution is the difficult part. So I would say that's... Uh, uh, it's much, much harder to tell you the steps or get your buy into the steps to mm. get to the vision rather than like just tell you the vision. Right. They would say, yeah, I love the vision. I want, that's why we were able to pull off these uh, businesses at the beginning with just the vision without having the execution steps or without knowing, in fact, how to get there like a few years ago. Um, and it's the same right now. Like if I pitch the vision, Everybody would love that. Yeah. If I tell you, yeah, we're going to start from fixing your data. You're going to come in and we're going to be your plumbers. And it's like, what are you talking about? You know, like, I don't want to see all these things in the back. Like, mm-hmm. I just want to have my customers this wonderful experience that you guys are talking about. And it's like, yeah, but that doesn't really work like this, right? Mm. So, like, we're, and, and the reason why we're far, and this is basically what we mean by the pipes are broken, is that you need to get your pipes fixed. Um, so yeah, so I would say that the vision is, is an easy thing to sell. So, uh, I try to graduate myself out to be an executioner right now. Yeah. Uh, just being from, uh, I like know, some of the analogies you use. You say your plumbers and also the pipes. Yeah. I mean, it's, these guys know it better, but, uh, I always feel like we're, we, we gotta go down to the drainage and, uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> unblock. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, you don't want to do see do what see you find. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you see your work in those terms? I mean, it's, it's a very sort of an engineering approach to the problem, isn't it? It's like, you know, if you see yourself as plumbers, you see yourself as fixing the pipes. You know, people will get that. Somebody said, well, maybe I don't want to be a plumber, but I understand what a plumber does. Yeah. And I have skill, I have talent, I can apply it here. 
Is that a fair analogy for what you do, the plumbing of the internet or data? Yeah, but not just plumbing. So actually we fix the plumbing, set down the foundation, and then actually we can start to build on it. So we have engagement with customers, uh, which are going on for years. Mm -hmm. And we started uh, with the foundation, set the expectation first, which is, I think, the hardest part because as Balash told that uh, the vision is there. But uh, at the beginning, set the expectation, what's reality? Mm. And uh, if we kind of agree on that, we can start with the plumbing and uh, actually go to the more exciting stuff. Okay, good. So um, last question about your team that I want to know is that what's the one thing you do together as a team? Like, I want to know, I mean, obviously you sit and you have meetings. That's fine. That's what every team yeah. does. Or maybe you don't have meetings. Maybe that's what's different about you. Maybe your Amazon style. Yeah, that's actually an important thing. I guess we're trying to limit the meetings. Um, I mean, for me, one of the worst things of being in the corporate world were the meetings. Yeah. So like one of my ex bosses used to say that if you don't want to work, just pull up a meeting, get people to a meeting (laughs) and then, you know, you can talk about whatever. So look busy, look busy. Exactly. So uh, make your calendar full at the meetings. Um, So I guess like meetings is an important part that we try to limit them as much as possible. Don't know if you agree, but uh, yeah, something that... uh, Something we, especially for the engineers, and trying yeah. to uh, focus, trying on, to focus on the actual execution. Yeah, yeah. It's not on meetings. Yeah, there's there's meetings where you bring in a lot of people together. Yeah, to sit around and talk, which are just kind of like I think a waste of time. Yeah, but there's meetings. Okay. I think important meetings like the one on ones. Yeah, where I can sit with you. Exactly, and talk. that's important. Those yeah. are really important because it's communication, and I think it's sometimes it's important to structure communication. Yeah, like when you're working on a project, sometimes you're deep into it. You want to communicate with somebody yeah. and maybe you don't have time to do yeah, that. So yeah. those work. What do you do as a team? Like, you know, what kind of activities? Yeah. Do you have a yoga class or do you have a ball pit? Or we you have. You actually. do? So in Budapest, uh, there is a yoga class every every Wednesday, I think. Okay. So there is a, a team, a group of people who do yoga. And uh, there are different groups. So some people go to do rock climbing, some running. So there are groups in the company and they do these things together. Mm. Yeah. What about here in Singapore? Anything you do together? We as a team eat together for lunch. It's simple, yeah. but I think that yeah, works. Yeah, we do I that. think it's, it's basic. So once yeah. we are in the office and not, not at clients, yeah. we go together and have lunch together. Where do you eat? Yeah. Are you like a fancy uh, restaurant kind or of the hardest, center? No, this is the hardest decision every day. So, yeah. This is not a decision. I love, yeah, yeah, I love so, this. No, decision. You have to do something about You need to automate system. that, Palace. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. We need uh, Yesterday we've been... Uh, you know, yeah, thinking you about how, where to go for you know a good fifteen minutes, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah. yeah, we are in the CBD. We are in uh, Tanjung Pagar, so there's oh, quite okay. a few options there. Yeah. Uh, so there is a big variety. Uh, so I guess like that's a good idea to do something that can automate this. Uh, decision. There you go. Uh, I'm happy. Yeah, but I guess I think it's important to um, um, to note here that um, while we do things together. Uh, nothing is mandatory. Mm. So I don't believe in the mandatory team activities because I think that's, uh, especially in a lot of companies that got into a different level where you need to do like whatever, you know, if I like to play football, you guys all come and play football. Now this is obviously a over-exaggerated example, but like, you know what I mean? So I think for us, it's very important that nothing, nothing is mandatory apart from Maybe one once a year we do this offsite, which is so far it was mainly for the Budapest office that we mm-hmm. had last year and the year before. Um, but now we're gonna have this global. I think it's gonna be a good exa- a good opportunity for all our stuff to be together for a little bit and get to know each other, and uh, and it's a good fun. It's only one weekend, so it's not something that requires a lot of uh, investment from your from from our people time because mm. I also like to be conscious that you know. You work for us or you work with us, but we don't want to take like, you know, all your time. Um, I'm perfectly fine if you, you know, you do whatever. If you like to hang out with us Mm. in your free time, it's good. Um, If you like to hang out with your actual friends and your your wife or whoever, uh, I think that's that's even better. So nothing is mandatory. But um, but yeah, we do like lunch. Definitely we be together. Sometimes you go for dinner. um, we like Korean barbecue. That's uh, I think that's almost like became a uh, having a few beer maybe. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. 
So I think it's uh, part of how you can build a team and uh, sometimes you go out, have a dinner, have a few beer because it helps to make the day-to-day -day work more effective between yeah. you. Yeah, it's good to communicate, isn't yeah. it? And, and learn a little bit about each other yes. beyond what you're making on a day-to-day -day basis exactly. as well. And learn how people think about problems as well. What are the relationships like in, in the office? Like, you know, some offices, people consider themselves friends. Do you consider yourself a mentor? Do you consider yourself a boss? How is all, do you have sort of thoughts on that? Because yeah. I think that sort of structure, it's the soft touch of culture. I mean, you've been yeah. in the corporate world. Yeah. You've seen that done the right way and the wrong way a bit. Like you say about the team building exercises. Yeah. We're all going to go to this hut on the mountain together and, yeah. you know, practice our mission statement. You've seen yeah. all that, right? I, I, but how are those relationships with your team? You know, how do you consider yourself with the rest of the team members? What yeah. role do you think you have? Yeah, I think... Uh, I, I'm gonna be like Vin Diesel, you know, we're like family, but um, <laughs> I think family, I, I like to call it because it's, uh, especially from the, um, um, from the people who've been there from the beginning, um, I think we are, we are close friends too. Mm. Um, and like also with Chubby and, and, and pretty much with the other co-founders and, and people in Budapest. So, and I think it's a really, uh, it's a really good environment to to join because we are pretty open for anyone to join. So like we got people who like I think we we like they joined a year ago and but then they still considered part of that part of that group uh, and pretty much everybody can uh, join that group. Um, but if you don't want, you don't have to. So mm. I guess like that's why it's a. I think I would call more. Um, friends family that's 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 what i i like about it because i had a lot of friends in the corporate world as well it was like i for example at google i really loved my colleagues and a lot of the people are still my friends so as at uber and some other places where i used to work but it's still it's still quite different How? because i guess uh just the sheer size and uh, and mm. why we're working on these things and i guess like you know it's always you join a small company from a big company because I think A, you bought into the mission and you wanna really create something that is great and you believe that what the company is doing. Mm. B, you wanna get out of the corporate world, you wanna work less and you believe that, you think that it might be different than the small company, which is not necessarily the case. Uh, so I, I think it's more the A part and I think like we're, uh, we're doing exciting enough stuff for people to be involved uh, we work with other companies on a day-to-day -day basis uh, so it's not like we are solely focused into something that we believe it's going to change the world and like we're building it and you know and then like we will see if it really or not but we actually work with other big companies out there who are already changing or who are already affecting people's life and mm. I think it's a great uh, it's just a great thing to be part of and it's you you don't just feel like you're a, a small wheel in a big machine but you're really driving the change no matter make a difference yeah no make matter, a difference yeah, right no matter where you are in the in the, in the organization and we, you know the organization is like when you're in a corporate world you're in 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 a big organization you have levels you get all these different things so i guess it's for us that it doesn't really exist uh, and also we like put a lot of efforts to um, align the personal goals with the company direction mm. because I believe that this way this is I think one reason why we can keep uh, the engineers at the company how how does that work in practice I mean it sounds great but what's the reality that um, aligning personal goals with company so we have a system uh, basically every every person in the company has uh, a people leader mm. and we have one on ones regularly like weekly or uh, bi-weekly and uh, in this uh, one-on-ones, we discuss uh, the personal goals and uh, basically all these personal goals are uh, gathered hmm. at the company level. And uh, when we kind of design or plan the strategy, we kind of factor these goals in it. Right. So personal goals would be stuff like what? Like I, I, I want to do Chinese. IoT. So oh, okay. if, if the company doesn't do anything and... Uh, Basically, a lot of developers want to do some work in the IoT yeah. field. Then uh, we can kind of direct the company in a way that uh, we pick up uh, projects from the IoT field. So that's kind of example. Yeah. Interesting. I guess I think it's very important what he what Chubby is saying about the people leader. 
um, system that we have because it's not a it's not a hierarchy. Um, it's not like a boss. No. Yeah, it's not a manager, and that's why we call it not manager or you know boss or whatever. It's a people leader, meaning that that person is actually the person who is. Uh, who is basically defending your interest and advocating your interest within the company. So if you're a people leader, your job is to basically advocate for yeah. the person, um, which is, I think it's a great way for both of the people, um, whoever the people leader role or whoever is in the other role to sort of, you know, get into a, uh, in in a much better state than if I'm your manager, I tell you what to do. And yeah. by the way, I will defend you when there is like promotions or whatever. So it's a very um, we we are a very um, flat as we we operate in a very flat structure. So we don't really have uh, a strong hierarchy, um, and and we believe in this and, uh, and it works for us very well. And this is something that I really like compared to um, obviously the big corporate structures and yeah well you've um, seen that right you've experienced the good yeah, and the bad I guess taking the best out of it right yeah exactly so I guess like there is a size where where you can't really avoid being just the hierarchy mm -hmm. uh, we are not that size yet and probably we are not never going to be that size because the, the reason why we're doing this business mm -hmm. is because we want to be in a in, in this more family environment. Yeah, and uh, you're privately funded as well, right? Yes. Which is an important part yeah, of that because you can important. call the shots rather than, hey guys, you gotta be a, a 100X return on our investment. Exactly, A exactly. billion dollar, you need to be a unicorn or go home, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's privately funded, meaning that we are funding ourselves. Mm. So we don't, we didn't take external capital and this is not, this is something that we would like to keep the way it is right now, mm. um, which we're, I think we are pretty fortunate that we were able to finance from just m making, you know, just doing a, a business that, that is great and there is demand for. Um, and it's, yeah, the difference between when someone is sitting on your neck and, you know, very different. Be a unicorn and go home, and yeah. um, that you know you can actually call the shots is, is huge. Great. And, well, yeah. we've had a good conversation, and if the listeners or viewers are this far in, I'm sure they're interested in how they can be part of this journey as well, because you're hiring at the moment. Yep. So let's talk about that. Specifically, do you have requirements in hard skills and geographies that you're hiring in? So can you run through what your shopping list is in terms of the talent, the kind of things you're looking for and where? Yeah, I guess uh, we are looking um, for people across all the three offices that we have right now. So yeah. Singapore, Munich and, and Budapest with the opportunity to move across these locations. Uh, in terms of skills, I would give the stage to Chubby because he is the He's the one who needs to interview. <laughs> yeah, so basically we don't really look for like very hard skills right now because it's very high to find that specific skill set on the market that we are looking right. for. I think what we are looking for is some generic experience in the field, in data or in, in cloud and uh, kind of good problem solving skills because um, and good, uh, good uh, skills to learn new things because we work uh, with a lot of new technologies on the way new services, new technologies, and uh, these needs to be picked up by uh, by the candidate, by our colleagues on the way. And um, yeah, I think that's that's the most important thing. So base for. level of experience in these areas, but not necessarily being a specialist, is that what you're saying? Yeah, like specialist in some, some other areas. So basically, so we work on, on the Google Cloud, mm. but it's very hard to find talent who already has experience on the Google Cloud. So. Other than that, we are looking for people who maybe have experience with other clouds or mm. uh, just on-prem data, data engineering, ML stuff, and uh, we can teach uh, teach the specific technology stack we are using during the onboarding process. I think the most important thing is kind of the soft skills, be uh, able to communicate with the customer and uh, be able to pick up new things fast. So people who are technically talented but can communicate to yeah, customers, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the bridge. That's the key missing gap a lot in this yeah. market, isn't it? People are yeah. one or the other. Yeah, exactly. That's the that's the tough piece to find. But uh, it's not impossible. I'm, I mean, like I think in terms of experience, uh, we are we are looking for more senior people, so who have experience in mm. engineering already. Um, but as Chubby said, that you know, if I put out that we are looking for Google Cloud data engineers. 
So one half of the people either work for us or for Google or for a few other companies, but it's not something that you can just pick up from the market, right? Uh, from from the job market. So I think it's uh, it's the person has to have a, a good base from the other stuff, but the rest we can actually teach. And this is another thing that is, I think, very valuable for whoever uh, join our team that um, that we get a pretty. Uh, pretty good curriculum for anyone to to learn these technologies and we believe the most advanced technologies around data and machine learning so so that's not a not a not a requirement but the good base is definitely good the good foundations you know yeah, experience yeah exactly you can't train the other stuff you can't train the mindset exactly. stuff uh, do they have to be yeah. believers in something and i ask because when we recruit here we want people who believe in podcasting. So they're already mm. consuming it, listening, even making their own. Mm. That is so important for us because then we don't have to sell it to them. They're mm. already on board. They believe in the mission. What about with your recruits, the people that you want in your team? What do they have to believe in that maybe separates them from everyone else? I think they need to believe in the whole idea behind the clouds. I think that's, um, that's one important thing. And also that... Um, they can make a difference. So we work with very big companies, but uh, and we are not so big. But uh, I think they need to believe that uh, they are able and they need to make a difference for, for yeah. these big companies. Yeah, I think that's a very good way to put it. So like if you're the one person who's supposed to change those pipes in a multinational bank or a multinational airline company, you need to believe that you're able to do it. Yeah, And you don't need the... Because the technologies that we're working with, um, it doesn't require, you know, have a hundred engineers to deploy to a client. You need to believe that you're able to do on your own and make a huge difference. Yeah, I like that. That is very good. So what is the best way to reach out to you? LinkedIn? Works LinkedIn, LinkedIn, website. Yeah. Tell them you've watched this podcast. Yep, exactly. I think that, that shows that you probably eliminate a lot of time wasters right? yeah they, sure. they haven't bothered to watch it you want people who watch that and say i watched it to the end i'm on board i listen to your story yeah yeah sign the, me up i mean that's a, that's a great and that's a great start i would say that in terms of uh in terms of someone to send uh, the cv and just you know uh attach uh, a little story about how they heard about us yeah uh, but i guess there are multiple channels i mean uh we are all on linkedin for example like we're all uh, accepting also, of course, the uh, applications uh, through LinkedIn, the website. Um, we get a recruitment team. So any channel works, just reach out to us and uh, we are happy to talk to anyone who is, uh, who is basically uh, fitting to the criteria that we are looking for. Yeah. Excellent. Well, gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us today and sharing your story and your update as well. It's yeah, good to see you. you again. Yeah, good to see you too. Chaba and Balaj from Ales, wishing you all the best. And as you say, if people are interested in what you're doing and want to be a part of something and make a difference, then reach out. Yep. You know, exactly. take a chance. You Absolutely. never know. Yeah. Like with yourself, Chaba, you never know where it may go. End up in a new city somewhere in the world. Yeah, exactly. That's what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. Thank you so much for joining us today really thank you very much thank you for having us that was pitch deck asia powered by pitch media asia my name is graham brown pitch deck asia is a platform to give startups in asia a voice we give them a show to help them tell their story and if you love these startup stories and like hearing more about the journeys of the founders go and check out our soundcloud channel which is available at pitchdeck.asia slash soundcloud that's pitchdeck.asia slash soundcloud head along to the channel subscribe follow us and feel free to leave a comment or a rating on our channel as well we'd love to hear your feedback